Fusion Patrol is a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can help support us at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. This is the Fusion Patrol podcast. Each week, we look at a different science fiction TV episode or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode, a special sidecar episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're going to be looking at the uh, special uh, animated Time Lord Victorious story called Daleks! With an exclamation point. It's a five-part animated YouTube series, just in case you want to go check it out. Synopsis! Episode 1. The Daleks arrive on the planet Islos, planning to capture the Archive. The robotic defenders of the Archive resist in a futile effort against the might of the Daleks. The Dalek strategist suggests that the robotic defenders might sacrifice all the life on the planet to serve their purpose of protecting the Archive at all costs. The Emperor offers them a deal. Let us have it, or we'll destroy it. The robots surrender, but it is a ruse. They have used knowledge in the Archive to open a portal to another dimension, found an entity there that would offer safe haven there for the Archive and the inhabitants of the city. All at once in exchange is the Daleks. Episode 2. The Daleks flee to Skaro, being dealt significant damage along the way. When they arrive at Skaro, the entity, which can traverse time, is already there, and the planet is wiped out. The few remaining Daleks travel to the planet that has a Dalek army in storage, guarded by a lone robot. The strategist has it activated, but the robot has been got to by the entity, and reprograms the Daleks to think the strategist is the Emperor. The entity expects the strategist to start a war with the Emperor, but he does not, and he has the Dalek army destroyed. Episode 3, the Daleks head to the planet of the Mechanoids. They demand an alliance, but the bluff is called. The Mechanoid Queen has determined that the Daleks are all but wiped out. She enters talks with the Emperor while the strategist talks with a Mechanoid scientist. Meanwhile, the remaining minion Daleks get impatient and start a fight. They are destroyed by the Mechanoids. The Emperor has an ace up his plunger to force the Mechanoids to fight. He's led the entity to the planet, and it begins attacking. Episode 4. Forced to work together, the strategist and the scientist defeat the entity and send it back to its universe. Now, only the Emperor and the strategist remain. The Mechanoid Queen knows they have been used by the Daleks, and she's going to wipe them out. She kills them both on the spot, and the story ends. Except she doesn't. She tells them to go back to Skaro, and she'll be along shortly to wipe them out. End of episode. Episode 5. The Emperor and the Strategist arrive back on Skaro. The Mechanoids soon arrive. The Emperor had more Daleks in reserve somewhere, and the fighting begins. Outnumbered, the Mechanoids need an advantage. They capture the Strategist and offer him what he wants. He takes their offer. With their help, they use the same technique to eliminate the entity on Mechanus to get rid of the Emperor on Skaro. But it was a ruse. The strategist uses the weapon to eliminate all of the Mechanoids. Dalek victory! But then, entity-controlled bits of dead Mechanoids tell them that they don't know what's coming. End of episode. Episode 6. 
There is no episode six. I guess that was the end. Okay. Daleks. I'm going to start. I'm going to start. And I'm going to say that there are two major things going against this in my mind. One, Daleks. (laughs) Two, I dislike dislike the idea of Time Lord Victorious. I, I hate bundles. We ought to explain what the idea of Time Lord Victorious is, just to give a bit of context to this, even though... <clears throat> Please do. So t- Time Lord Victorious, this is just the background for it, because Daleks is supposed to be a standalone adventure in its own right. Time Lord Victorious is a project to link together stories across all of the various different spin-off media that produce Doctor Who, shall we call it merchandise? Doctor Who stories, perhaps. So the novels, the comics, the audios that are produced by both Big Finish and the BBC, and even things like immersive adventure games. And one of the kind of spin-offs, I guess, is the this this free YouTube series. And I think I think the kind of background to this is relevant for two reasons so one is obviously they are hoping that a certain type of doctor who collector is going to buy everything that is connected with time lord victorious it's probably the same kind of doctor who collector who is already buying everything connected with doctor who so it may not make a great big difference but they are attempting to do it in a way that caters for the casual listener, reader, viewer, whatever, by making the elements within it stand alone. And I think I'm right in saying that you and I have not consumed all of the Time Lord Victorious um, Doctor Who that has been released thus far. Certainly in my case, it was this and one big finish story. So you're you're up on me because this is the only one. And I was listening to the Big Finish podcast the other day. And there are a few stories in Time Lord Victorious in the Big Finish range that I'm interested in. But I I really dislike this kind of strong arm marketing. Oh, because a lot of times... So if you go back to comics, like Marvel Comics used to be horrific about this. They would start a story in Spider-Man, which you would read all the time, and then suddenly it'd be like, oh, and he meets up with Iron Man, and in the next issue of Iron Man, they'll continue their fight. And I don't like Iron Man, so I would never collect Iron Man, so what I would end up getting is a story that was incomplete, and I I really detested that as a kid. I mean, I, I, I loathe it. So when they announced this, I was very, very annoyed. And I was listening to the Big Finish podcast, and I mean, Nick Briggs spent, I don't know, it seemed like about an hour and a half, but, you know, a lot of times they seem like an hour and a half. Um, But yeah, at least five minutes explaining that, no, everything in Time Lord Victorious is totally standalone, and you can absolutely listen to it and enjoy it by itself, and you don't have to get it all, and, you know, it's been scientifically designed not to do that, and... This being the only Time Lord Victorious thing I've consumed, I feel like they've lied to me. And this is Big Finish, too, right? I don't think so. I mean, there's no there's no credit for them on it, and there usually would be. Mm. All right. I somehow thought that they were, they were, you know, underlying story people behind it. But uh, 
I'll believe you. Um, so maybe Big Finish has kept to their promise, but I don't feel like they did here because I don't feel like I got a whole story and I feel like they were setting me up for the next book <laughs> or whatever it is. I really feel like they were setting me up for the next thing. Something with a doctor in it, perhaps. <laughs> so, so okay, that that that's interesting because, um, I mean, clearly, I'm, I've I've had two of them now, so that may or may not be enough to spot patterns and connections. Mm -hmm. I'm interested in where where you think this was setting up other stories that you need to. The, you, you you now need to pursue in order to understand what was going on here. I don't need anything to understand what was going on here, but what I clearly seeing in the end is when the when the entity is like, "Yep, you don't know what's coming. Here it comes." It, that that's clear, leaving you off for they've got something else in mind as the next step here. There okay, is something okay. else. So and yeah, more. yeah, yeah. No, if the, if that's it, yeah. No, I can I can see that. That um, I. That doesn't bother me. And the reason for that is because it's completely not integral to the story. The story stands alone and then you get a a scene on the end. And I to, to I it feels to me like this in He Kills Me, He Kills Me Not, that the story itself stands alone, and then you get a scene at the end that is a cliffhanger for what I presume is the next big finish story in the sequence. And I'll probably listen to it because I quite enjoyed the the audio, but it doesn't bother me that there's a a tact it's it's like a trailer for the next thing. It's just tact. If it's the end. next big finish, that's not quite as bad. If it's the next well, comic yes. book or if it's the next novel, then that's bad. I mean if whatever follows I'm assuming this Daleks, I'm assuming it's the next big finish. Novel, but I mean I'm it, not buying it. <laughs> it it doesn't bother me because if I never listen to the story, it doesn't really change what I've just listened to, if you see what I mean. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I do kind of like my stories to kind of have an ending. Um, well, I thought I, I have a few criticisms of this. I did think it had an ending. I thought, you know, yeah. episode, episode five was very much the lots of shooting and then it's all over episode. I thought that was episode four, too. <laughs> Except it wasn't um, all over. But yeah, I, yes. yeah, let's get into the episode itself. I, I've set the stage for why I was not coming into this particularly inclined to be impressed. So what did you think of the story, Simon? I found it quite hard going. And I similarly share a lack of fascination for for the Daleks with you. I mean, I, I think the Daleks are an interesting concept, but my least favourite thing in any Doctor Who Dalek story is where they sort of stand around on the bridge of one of their ships or saucers as they are now. And yeah, they flash their lights and, and wibble onto each other indeterminately. And I I mean, I partly don't like it because I think logically, surely these are these are biomechanoids. They could have more efficient information transfer systems built into their computer augmented brains that would work over radio and over distances. They could just come up and touch plungers. Yeah, if you want some kind of RFID equivalent. But actually, I would have thought long range, long range radio would probably be preferable. Whatever gives you the bandwidth, fine. But it's not going to take much to exceed the bandwidth of 
standing there, blinking their lights at each other and grating on in their Dalek monotone. And that's the other part of it, why it's not a satisfying thing, because Nick Briggs does a good job voicing the Daleks, giving them some kind of emotion without making them seem non-Dalek-y. But it's still just Daleks droning on at each other. And you, you, you have a series of just Daleks, exclamation mark, and you're going to have a lot of Daleks talking at Fuck. each other, or in this case, Daleks talking at other mechanical entities of one sort or another. So here, here's the thing that also, to your point about them talking, because they do talk a lot. Obviously, they have to talk to each other. Have you ever actually seen a Dalek tell another Dalek what they're doing? No, they never actually have substantive conversations. They are all just basically drop the bomb now or exterminate them. Or they, they never actually, even in this one where we had the, the smart Dalek and we had the emperor Dalek, they still never actually discussed what was going on. They hid that from us so that it would be a surprise, which in that way is good. But again, what we get is basically fatuous Daleks talking to each other. <clears throat> and you're right, Nick Briggs can do enough of the different Dalek voices that it sounds like different Daleks, and you can even, you can even tell them apart to some degree. But <laughs> it's, it's still just Dalek talking. So, um, yeah. you know, the, the third strike is it's Daleks, and it's Daleks who are the main focus of the story as opposed to the villains of the story. Yes. Daleks exclamation mark, which f for some reason always puts me in mind of, of, of the Gideon Defoe pirates series. Pirates exclamation mark in an adventure with scientists. Daleks exclamation mark in an adventure with an entity. Or mechanoids. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> so, uh, uh but that is the so selling the, point. People people buy Daleks. I mean, yeah, I know. Um, that I also found it a bit hard going. I originally was not going to watch it until right before we recorded all of it. I broke down when the first one came out and I said, all right, maybe I should watch them once a week. Then I'll have to watch them again, <sighs> which actually did play into that. And I watched the first one. I'm like, Nope, I think I'll save them. So I saved them and watched them last night and this morning before recording. Um, and it it was a bit of a hard hard road. I, I'll agree, but I'll say this: one of the complaints we've had, and I think we actually have a pot, a sidecar podcast we recorded last year on what makes a good Dalek story that never got released, and will someday, and will someday. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that we have complained about is Dalek plans are dumb. Dalek strategies are moronic at, at every level. They don't accomplish any meaningful objectives and they're just dumb. So it was nice to see a Dalek strategy that actually wasn't completely moronic here. At least I felt like the Dalek strategist was smart and playing a good game of chess there. So that is in its favor, but it's still a low bar to get above for when your plan is to hollow out a planet and pile it around the universe or to just destroy all reality because. <laughs> so, yeah, they were strategic and that, you know, that that is nice. That is that is an upside to it. 
the the, stra- the strategist by the way was that uh, there is in the in the doctor in the big finish doctor who time war stories there is a time strategist time strategist is this a different i think it's Dalek the same was... i think it's the same actor <laughs> i think that's a that's a fair bit but i wasn't sure whether the strategist and the time strategist were the same this didn't have a time war vibe to me not at all um, which was interesting because he kills me he kills me not is definitely time war set you can tell because they've used the time war theme tune for it so clearly uh, time war would... victorious encompasses a range of doctor who eras here's my guess um they wipe out the mechanoids they don't know what's coming what's coming is the time war that's that's my thought um so but the time war is not going to take them by surprise because they are they they started it yeah <laughs> well I, you, they you could sort argue of. that you could you argue know, the that. time lord started it by sending the doctor to kill them at their genesis but you know they one yeah. way or another they're both pretty central to the to the, the story instigation of the time war and it's unlikely to surprise them yeah, well i would a i would say that if this is not big finish then i would say that's not supposed to be the same strategist yeah i i mean one of the things when i say it's not big finish it's not it's not produced by big finish and who it is produced by is maybe something interesting to come back to but the actual creatives involved in it on the so the this script is written by james goss who is the overall producer of all of the time lord victoria stuff across all the different platforms but he is also a regular producer and writer on big finish productions i think that the audio stuff is all directed by scott hancock he directs a load of audio stuff and writes for big finish nick briggs is in it playing the daleks he plays the Daleks for Big Finish and also is the executive producer of Big Finish. So there's, it's not like anyone at Big Finish is going to be surprised by what's in this story. I think there's enough right. of a, or, or vice versa, that the people making this would be unaware of what was going on. You know, even if it weren't a multi-platform story, they are the same people and they know what stories are being told in the different strands of the Doctor Who mm. merchandise spin-offs. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask a question. This is this is my impression after I watch this episode because, as I say, I always think Dalek plans are stupid. I'm now beginning to think that there is just the one smart Dalek theory because the Emperor seems like as big a buffoon as all the rest of them, doesn't he? Yes. And I mean, the executioner is like, "Yeah, shall I shoot him?" <laughs> it's like, "Wait, shoot!" and <laughs> It's only only the strategist is the only Dalek that seems to exercise any intelligence whatsoever. Well, and all I the other say, Daleks in episode five literally, literally form a circular firing squad. Yes. Yeah. They uh, And where they are outnumbered, you know, millions to one. And they only start fighting because they're a little bored on guard duty. I mean, seriously, it is it is it is ridiculous. Ridiculous. And I think they did a pretty good job of making you realize it's very overt that the strategist is much smarter than the emperor, although apparently he's not smart enough to get down to the repair bay and get his armor uh, fixed because you'd think that'd be a tactical disadvantage. But eh, it's shabby chic. Yeah. (laughs) And so he's 
you know, you you can be believed by the end realizing, thinking that maybe he would turn on the Emperor, although it's pretty obvious that he's not, because in Episode 2, he's given that very opportunity, and he does not. So both the Mechanoids and the Entity make the exact same mistake that the smarter Dalek, which, let's face it, if Daleks aren't equal amongst themselves, then you would think they would do exactly what would come natural to Daleks. We're better, therefore we should be in charge. The strategist is better, therefore he should be in charge. You would think that is the logical extension of Dalek programming and philosophy. And so the entity makes that mistake. The mechanoids make that mistake. It costs them both badly. That's the only interesting thing. That's the only part of the story that I found fascinatingly like, all right, they... But what keeps the strategist loyal to the Emperor then? You know, how, how dumb does a plan have to get on the Emperor's behalf? Because obviously all the other Daleks are willing to go out and die. The whole planet worth of Daleks are apparently willing to die to execute this plan. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I guess it, programming? You have, to, you have to assume that the, the Emperor is not... The Emperor is working with the strategist to execute the strategist's plans if the if the emperor became a a barrier to those then the strategist in the interests of the daleks you would think he would go well maybe the emperor shouldn't be the emperor do do we really think that that the emperor dalek was acting when the mechanoids and the strategist ran off to the tower and he started shouting betrayal destroy them and wiping them out <laughs> it it did seem like Again, that he was, in fact, caught unawares by this this plant. I don't know. That That's kind of why I'm asking. Is there only one smart Dalek? The strategist is pulling all the strings and the emperor is just a puppet that he manipulates or manipulate, not manipulate. Yeah, manipulates. He, he, he guides along the path that needs to be done because that's what the strategist is designed to do. But yeah, it, it's a Wizard of Oz scenario i guess and the theme is temptation because they keep coming back and trying to tempt the strategist with power which he never he never takes i also kind of liked the symmetry that they developed which is the robot on the dalek army planet which has been taken over by the entity so we'll we'll call it the entity but he subverts the dalek army for his purposes by getting permission from the strategist to make some last minute updates, you know, which I actually felt like right before this podcast, when I started Skype and it said, there are some updates. Should I install them? And I'm like, no, you know something? I've learned my lesson. I'm not going to do that. It's going to be taken over by the entity and it's not going to work. So, so, and then they do ex- <laughs> literally exactly the same thing at the end in flip. The mechanoid gets, sets up everything and then, the strategist comes in. I, I need to make just a couple of little last-minute changes to this program. Boom, and now it wipes them all out. So, as as hard, slow fighting, blast, 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 boring, um, but still kind of better than a lot of most Dalek stories than I've seen, which has surprised the heck out of me. Not saying I would watch it again anytime soon. But, you know, it was no destiny of the Daleks. 
the the I mean the the symmetry that you mentioned is there in a number of cases because I I I I did like episode one. I actually thought it was the strongest episode because it had its own narrative, and I liked the twist. I liked the fact that the Daleks were going in there perfectly logically. Let's over, over overpower the librarian so we can seize the archive, and the librarians are playing a trick on them in order to get them in there. And they've done this deal with the devil, essentially. And that's a nice reveal. And then you get the Daleks doing exactly the same thing to the entity with the mechanoids, which is they, the Daleks then lead the entity in and that's give true. it to the mechanoids, in effect. So the Daleks are outwitted in episode one. We don't like stupid Daleks, but... They're outwitted in a way that I think is forgivable in the sense that you would not expect something that powerful to have been on that planet. But they then learn from it. And they then in go, Aha, there is there is a strategy that we can use to our own advantages. And they and they do. That's right. So, yeah, they're outwitted in one and two. And then they use those exact same strategies in essentially three and or four and five. So, I mean, that 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 is something um, in its favor. I Part of the reason I stopped watching after episode one was because, and I had the same feeling when I watched, the second, I watched it the second time yesterday, the Daleks come in, we want the archive. That was their stated goal. We want the archive. What do they do? They come in blowing up the planet. They're blowing up the planet. They're blowing up the planet. Can we have the archive? No. Okay. The Dalek strategist comes in. Wait a minute. Let's try blowing up the planet. Okay. And then they start blowing up the planet some more. I, I, I'm like, I'm not following this. Because clearly they're not going to blow up the archive if they want it, if they think there's still a chance of getting it. And then if there's they the think whole there's a chance of getting it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure they'd blow it up if they, if they knew they couldn't get it, as the Emperor uh, says. But... As a stratagem to convince them up front, they didn't seem to really have a plan other than let's let's blow some stuff up and see if they give it to us. And then, wait, let's try a different approach. Let's blow some stuff up and see if they give it to us. Nope, that didn't work. Let's tell them, hey, we'll blow you up if you don't give it to us. Oh, okay. I mean, they're consistent. Plan is blow stuff up till we get what we want. But it didn't feel like there were beats along here where it seemed like they were changing strategy when they never changed strategy. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess. Like, I, see, yes, I think I we wasted some time here just so we could blow things up. Bitch, by the way, the Islo's defensive guards are the worst shots in the universe, Imperial stormtroopers notwithstanding. I mean, that fleet flying in and the, the defensive grid is firing in the wrong direction. Repeatedly. Daleks here? Weapons going over there. I, I, failure of animation. I don't think think they need to. Yeah, they need to get their gun serviced. It might be that it's convenient for the animators that they keep missing because their explosion effects are somewhat iffy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I noticed that they were a little bit iffy. I also noticed there were a lot of situations where, like when the mechanoids and the Daleks are coming up to each other and there's lots of bolts firing, they're not hitting each other. It's like, no. hey, 
You guys would hit every time. Surely you would hit every time. But they don't. They're just firing past each other a lot. So I I I think I I mean the there is there is an interesting dimension to this in the execution of it because I think that the way in which it has been animated there are some there are some kind of obvious shortcomings and amongst those are things like the effects for explosions or smoke and also in in a number of respects the way in which they use textures the whole the whole thing is done in in 3d and a lot of it is textured but the the movements the movements are very they're very um sudden <laughs> they're not they're not programmed gently and they are very everything is very geometrical so mm. there are a lot of camera camera swinging around or panning around very suddenly it goes from traveling in a circle at this speed to traveling up or zooming out at that speed and the transition is instantaneous like and a machine like yeah like a machine not like a camera so that, that could be artistic choice there are no it could I be mean, an, apart it from could the... be an artistic choice it could be it is i think a a question of speed and convenience because it doesn't convey the physics of so the, the, these are these are things that have to do with the physics the 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 explosions or the smoke or whatever i don't i don't know because i mean i have seen more convincing explosions what exactly the 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 particular constraints are here i know that rendering would be a very time expensive process compared to the very kind of geometric planes that almost everything else is made up of it may it may be simpler than that it may be that the the kind of algorithms for generating these things were unavailable to them on the budgets that they had but there are yeah. there are aspects of the story where that definitely is obvious and there are other aspects where it's clear they've tried to work around it so remind me because i don't remember what the mechanoids weapons looked like in the original series what what did they project out? Was it smoke? Was it bubbles? Because if if I were looking at this, I would think they were projecting God, a bubble machine. I I I think the mechanoids in this are supposed to have flamethrowers, and I'm thinking. Oh, I would have never have gotten that. I'd have never gotten that from the bubbles coming out of them. Didn't didn't they have flamethrowers before? But then, when I say before, they've only appeared in the chase, haven't they? Correct. Because I know that. You know, for example, they're in the Juggernaut, so I'm thinking, oh, you know, they're they're a recurring, a recurring villain, but they're probably not. And so, I can't remember what they, what they fire in the chase. Well, it's a bubble gun. It's it, it's a, 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 it's a Lawrence Welk bubble gun, firing out bubbles of soapy water at the Daleks, which literally like them. blowing bubbles through a. That's what it looked like to me. In this, okay. In this, not I don't know. I don't. Oh, see, no, it. but in the in the chase, yeah, I don't remember at all. <laughs> right, and, uh, no, have to get have to go back and give it a rewatch. But I but I can see I can see bubbles would be difficult to execute as well because you know all of the reflections and and what have you. And I I you know I felt there were there were areas in this where it it did kind of show up that um, the the planetary surface was incredibly flat, for example. And, 
you know, well, in a way, Sarah. that is very much like 1970s Doctor Who, because whenever you went into a cave system or whatever, it had it had a floor that, coincidentally enough, was as smooth as a TV studio floor. So maybe maybe you could argue there is a tradition for that, but it 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 looks kind of odd. Yeah, it. I didn't have too much trouble with the the look of this. Um, I, like I said, I, I think you've got with the explosions and smoke and things like that. It it definitely had a, a sort of compromised look. Put it put it this way: it doesn't. It does not have. It does not have the budget of even the the most recent animations of of you know Fury from the Deep or of the faceless ones <laughs> for something they're going to put free on youtube sure i can imagine it exactly have. exactly Except, of course it's trying to drive it's trying to drive people into time lord victorious which is the point of a bundling system so you'd think that maybe all of the you'd think maybe big finish and the novels people would all chip in a little bit of money to make a a good uh, well uh, now you see that that was one of the things that i was wondering about because i i I think that may be over overly ambitious. I suspect that they had to fund this out of the the money that the the Doctor Who marketing people have. It I think that's why it's on YouTube. I mean one reason it's on YouTube is again, so coming back to the whole Time Lord Victorious setup, one of the things that the BBC is not allowed to do as part of its charter is to drive people towards um products that they have to pay for so if you had started a story you know start like your spider-man story starting in on an official bbc platform and then finishing on a in an iron man story you know if the equivalent of that was on something that was licensed and chargeable and all the rest of it that's that's not allowed the way the bbc is set up is to have all of its enterprises that raise money from its properties its intellectual properties like doctor who are part of an arm's length setup so they can they can create something that is is part of this bigger time lord victorious thing and put it on youtube and have it show you adverts and you know i wonder how much of the budget just came from youtube adverts they couldn't have put it on iPlayer because that would have fallen foul of their charter but also they wouldn't have been able to fund it through adverts on there they would have had to they would have had to get money from elsewhere so it's it's not really you're right it's not really fair to compare it to animations that are are funded from a a bigger budget through the sales of blu-rays and so forth it's in a way more comparable to those animations on bbci the old bbc website the the things like schalke or sharda or real time real time oh yeah <laughs> which did have quite you know we looked at those in our you know animation series and the animation there was really 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 basic but what really basic animation meant 20 years ago was very different from what basic animation means now this whole thing is done with 3d animation you know back I, I gotta then, tell you it was flash the these new uh these new m1 max i think 
you know, in a year, the processing power, they're going to be able to do this on, you know, a, a little MacBook Air and for free practically. So I think, I think, but they've still got to animate it. That, that, that's the cost. The, the, you know, the cost is, is not, is not necessarily rendering it. The cost is actually animating the thing in a way that is convincing, which is why you, why you get these very. Back to your point earlier, back to your point earlier about it being render intensive. You were saying. Oh, for the, 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 for the yeah. yeah. The technology is going to pass that and has probably already passed it. And we just haven't seen it whiz by yet yeah and you know it would be possible to re-render the thing if you know if if that were the issue then you could upgrade it at some point in the future if you had the money and it was sufficiently cheap worthwhile what you can't (laughs) do anything about is the fact that in order to produce something that could be animated on this tiny tiny budget they have obviously gone for something which would be very geometrical, lots of planes, you know, the mechanoids, for example. The fact that this sentinel on on the planet of the Dalek army is basically Johnny Five from Short Circuit rather than something more organic or even humanoid. The archivists are robots too. All of all of the all of the kind of characters in this are somewhat robotic. And that doesn't help with the whole, you've got robots talking to each other for 68 minutes kind of problem with this. I I don't necessarily think that having the Daleks as the focus of the story is a, is a problem in itself. Having listened to some of, for example, the Dalek Empire series from, you know, Big Finish audio series, entirely focused on Dalek machinations or whatever but in order to tell the story of the dalek empire it's told from the perspective of a set of protagonists who are the resistance to the dalek empire and that gives you characters it's much easier to relate to because they are the the organics the the mm-hmm. the humans or humanoids at least the the oppressed not not the robotic oppressors who are you rooting for in this? The Daleks or the Mechanoids? I, I'm definitely rooting for the Mechanoids out of them. Yeah, I don't know is about it the because they, you really know Is it because them. they made the Mechanoids more human? Oh, we have a concept of beauty. We have, yeah. You know, they they went out yeah. of their way to make them seem more human, I guess, if you will. Uh, just which, in a way, is you know, they are less. They are they are entirely mechanical. The Daleks are. Genetically yeah. evolved humanoids, but there's there's a lot more to to relate to in the values that these evolved mechanoids seem to be espousing. They're big on beauty, though. There are moments where the Daleks in this, or at least the the Emperor, he he talks about the strategy being beautiful. At the end, and there yeah. is a point in the penultimate episode where he tells the the mechanoids he would enjoy seeing them fight, which is an interesting choice of words for a Dalek. It was. I, I it's had a not. Note of it that. would be useful to see you fight. It's. I would get an emotional response from seeing you fight. And and they, you know, one of the things we have in this episode. This reminds me is that the Emperor Dalek does. 
He lies by omission. So, for example, how many Daleks are left, he doesn't say. Then she goes, oh, it's just you guys. He doesn't really confirm it. That is a lie of omission. When she asks him what he finds beautiful, he does not give an answer to that question. I think there's there's a way he prevaricates or evades answering that question. And of course, then the point of that was at the end when the strategist asked if his was his strategy efficient, the emperor is like, it was beautiful. So we know what beauty to a Dalek is, an efficient killing strategy. Is that the difference? The strategist could not even conceive of that? I don't know. I wondered, I wondered if the emperor was supposed to in some way be an emotional Dalek, but I couldn't see the value in it. It wasn't a kind of cult of Scaro type, let's try and understand our enemies better, or even being emotional makes you a better leader. It just seemed to be a slight anomaly in the way that this particularly bulbous Dalek behaved. Why is he particularly bulbous? Is he supposed to be a really big brain in there? Is he an extra big Dalek or is it just he needs, you know, he's got the comfy room with the jacuzzi in there. Is it a callback or foreshadowing for remembrance to try and explain why the, the supposed emperor in remembrance looks like that? Because he's really Davros. <gasps> spoilers. Well, uh, yeah, I'm not counting spoilers on something that's 30 years old or whatever it is. <laughs> but yeah, uh, maybe. I mean, maybe this is supposed to be Davros. I don't think. I know. I don't. That, that wasn't my thinking. My th- my thinking was, was it trying to set up some kind of scenario in which it wasn't particularly surprising that an emperor looked like the Imperial Emperor looks like in Remembrance. Because obviously, within Remembrance, there is an alternative reason. And I, since I don't collect these things, I don't know. But isn't, aren't there like the Dalek comic comics? Didn't they have an Emperor Dalek that had a big head? I mean, I know the the, the main Dalek in Evil looks like a cyber controller or something, but it seems like that's not just from Remembrance, that I've seen that big bulbous Emperor Dalek Many times before. So, I mean, I saw it and I was like, oh, it's Emperor Dalek. You know that. I mean, it's a lot easier to tell. definitely looks different, than... which, yeah, I mean, is it, you can see why. I, I don't know. I mean, I haven't, I haven't followed the comics. It could, could well be that. And it would be appropriate in a multi-platform story like this to cater for audiences who will be familiar with the Emperor Dalek in that form. For my money, I think... Uh, the Emperor Dalek in The Parting of the Ways was the coolest one, but there we go. He was big as well, but... He was big and he lived in a big old fish tank. He didn't look like a Dalek. He didn't move around, but yeah, he's got standard Daleks to do all that for him, so why does he need it? Yeah, true. Uh, do you have anything else on this uh, thing? I don't think that I do. I yeah no I don't think I do I think I think we've I think we've pretty much covered it I I'm not I'm not rushing back to 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 rewatch it myself I think it's it's interesting that they managed to put something together I agree with you that the there are there are interesting aspects to the storyline and you know all the the audio side of it is 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 as impressive you know using the same 
directors and sound designers as the big finish stuff. It's as good as the big finish stuff, but the animation is low budget and that, you know, the story does its best to work around that, but it must be a really low budget for the reasons we've discussed. And ultimately that that's what you're left kind of slogging through. And I was, I, there were points where I was thinking, do the bods in BBC marketing really want their crown jewel, you know, Doctor Who to be associated with something that looks quite this naff? And, you know, another part of me would hate that they would, they would kind of get involved in putting the kibosh on something that's experimental and innovative so i'm i'm glad they've done it but it's a measure of quite how rough some of it looked to my eyes hmm. i i wasn't bothered by it but i wasn't uh, wasn't really impressed by it either it was just it was serviceable if you have nothing else i have i have nothing else i have nothing else for this well, for, you know this further chapter in the many and varied forms of animated Doctor Who or Doctor Who related stuff. All right. Well, in that case, since this is a sidecar episode, there is no join us next time, but I'm sure that there is an episode of Fusion Patrol coming soon, uh, any day now. Within a week, there will probably be an episode released. Whenever you get this, there will probably be. So, uh, Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, as always. And listeners... I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.